There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Um, quick note on last week, there was no podcast. <laughs> I had planned to do things myself Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, and then Apple dropped the Big Sur software update um, and... That completely bricked my both my laptop and my desktop for like a five hour window. So like I had planned to do things on my own and I had some other stuff going on that I needed to be home for. And then like Apple was like, nope, you're not going to do that. So uh had to cancel with, with my guests and just try to get like my computer to work. Um, I've learned my lesson. I'm back in our studio this week with the professionals. Pat is producing today. Thanks for being here, Pat. Um, Quick plug for our website. Make sure that you're subscribed to all of Hill Varsity's podcast offerings. Uh, we have something new every day from all of your favorite voices. And I also want to give a, a big shout out and a welcome to the guys at the Go Big Redcast for joining the Herd App Media family. Um, that podcast is great. And, and those guys are all friends of the pod over here. So uh, welcome to the family. Um, also, this month's magazine is hitting newsstands and mailboxes soon, uh, if you don't already have it. Keep an eye out for it. Um, I, you'll want this issue. Not only uh, will there be, you know, you, you'll get stuff on Nebraska's first win of 2020, but I also have a long form piece in there that I've been working on for months. Um, I haven't had something in the magazine, not something extensive in the magazine for for a little bit. I've been working on on this, um, and I'm really excited for everyone to read it. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a surprise but hopefully a good surprise for our, our regular audience. Uh, and that is all that I will say. Um, Illinois, in a few minutes, we'll hear from from Bob Osmussen from Illini HQ and the uh, the News Gazette. He'll give us some some insight into this weekend's game. Um, it's another morning kickoff, which, like, first I want to do this aside because I want to say that morning kickoffs aren't necessarily a bad thing for Nebraska. They've gotten, I think, what is it? Every single game that they've played so far this season has been a morning kickoff. They were supposed to do a two thirty against Wisconsin, but then that one was canceled. Everything else has been a morning given Nebraska's regular practice time, like an 11 AM kick is probably best anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't know many coaches who honestly like sitting around and waiting all day to play a football game and with no atmosphere, uh, to, to give you kind of the boost that a traditional night game would give you. Like a night game around here is really kind of pointless anyway. Um, Nebraska's probably better served with the early slot. So, Illinois. They hit the crap out of us last year. <laughs> uh, Nebraska can't overlook this group. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Nebraska's in a, in a position really to be overlooking anyone. And, and, you know, to be fair, I don't think they will here. Um, both programs got their first win of the new year last weekend. Illinois beat Rutgers. Um, it, it was it was close 
So coming back on Purdue, uh, but it couldn't get it done. It got blasted by Wisconsin in the opener and then got blasted by Minnesota two weeks after that. Um, Nebraska could blow this group out. Like, it could. Um, the defense is playing well enough. And when you pair that with some of the, the COVID issues that Illinois had, guys still kind of making their way back. This is a, an Illinois offense that's that's pretty similar to Nebraska in that it, it's really struggled to put points on the board for a litany of reasons. Um, Nebraska could come out of this Saturday with sort of like a stackable performance, if you kind of think about it. So you have a nice showing against Northwestern for three quarters. You can't close. You have a great performance against Penn State, and, and, and you made plays. And, and you finally were able to close. The emphasis this week was on starting fast. And, and let me say, great defensively. It wasn't great offensively. They still have work to do offense, but great defensively. Um, the emphasis this week was starting fast on, on both sides of the ball. Starting fast on defense, starting fast on offense. Nebraska's given up points on two of its uh, three game-opening possessions for the other team that the defense has. So that, that's an emphasis this week. If Nebraska can get that under control... Nebraska could actually put this game to bed early, I think. And, and and it hasn't done a ton of that. And it's not really... Like, you'll hear this in, in the interview with Bob Osmussen, and, and I thought it was a really good comment, where, like, Nebraska's not in a position where it's blowing teams out by 40 points anymore, which is, I, I think, spot on. That's just not where they are in their, their kind of... I want to say rebuild, but I don't know if we should call it a rebuild and instead should probably just call it like a build. <laughs> um, the offense needs to be better. And and I think it will be. Um, Luke McCaffrey was fine in this first start and he'll build. Um, they just need to be more consistent. Here is uh, Matt Lubick on Luke's first start. Uh, well, first, I thought he handled it unbelievably well. We've, we knew that he was a competitor. We knew he was a, a great, he's a great athlete. He's been making plays all fall camp long. Um, with his feet and with his arm. But sometimes you really don't know until there's live bullets how a guy's going to respond. And I, I was very impressed with his poise. Uh, he, he stood in there. He he improvised a little bit when we needed him to. He kept some long, uh, some some third down, some some second long situations alive just by, by making a play himself. Never panicked. Um, showed a ton of poise. And not just for a first starter, but, you know, we forget he's basically a, a freshman. And so... Uh, yeah, could not be more happy with what he did in the game. He, now, he's been doing that the whole time in fall camp, and that's why, you know, we chose to start him. But at the same time, it's it's a different thing to go out on Saturday and do the same thing. And, and that's against a good defensive football team. Uh, I think people sometimes forget that. That's Those guys are going to win some games this year. That's a good defensive football team. And and uh, it looked like he'd been in there for a long time playing football. So I was very pleased, as we all were. Yeah, so like everybody says – you know, I think they kind of latched on to, well, not latched on, but a handful of people kind of heard Lubick say, that's a good football team, and thought, well, Penn State's 0-4. Like, yes, but also Penn State's 0-4 and still, like, a, a, a pretty good football team in the same way that Nebraska was 0-6 in 2018 and, and capable of being a, a pretty good football team once a couple of things broke right for it. And, and you know, I think it's going to be important to remember that, like, Luke McCaffrey cannot be judged on his first career start against, you know, the, the two years and two games or three games or whatever it was of, of Adrian Martinez as a starter. Like, if you go with Luke, you're just going to have to work through some of those same growing pains that, that you afforded um, Adrian Martinez the patience and the time to work through in 2018. It's just kind of going to be the way that it goes. And, and I don't necessarily know that 
going with Luke and continuing to go with Luke will mean that it that they view this season as a lost season. Um, you know, you heard Matt Lubick say it. They, they, they had no issues with the way that he played. I, I think he'll continue to build. Um, here is, uh, here, here, let's, let's hear from Scott Frost on just the offense in general. You know, we're not going to be happy until we're scoring more, uh, more efficient, doing some really good things. I just got done with a unit meeting with the offense and we reviewed the game. And I think the guys are able to see little things that they could do and, and should be able to do, uh, fixing some things to, to sustain a few more drives. Um, so I, I think we're on the right track, but um, you're never completely happy, and uh, we got we got to keep getting better. And, you know, I I think as coaches you get frustrated because you want it perfect right now. Uh, and I mentioned this, but I think we counted ten first year players that played significant amount for us last year, and it seems like we've been young three years in a row because of the turnover at some positions and um, and the recruiting we've done to get some new athletes in here, but. It just takes those guys a while to know all the assignments and details they need to for us to be a little more efficient, and we're working at that every day. One thing that I thought was interesting was after the game, Frost said that that they were protective of the defense against Penn State in the second half. Um, they wanted to be a little bit more conservative with the play calling. That I mean, that clearly didn't work. Um, Penn State doubled up on Nebraska in terms of play count in the second half still and outgained Nebraska 300 to 95 in yardage, um, Nebraska's been outscored fifty nine to six in the second half of the season. So, like, yes, protect your defense a little bit, but I think Nebraska just needs to keep its foot on the gas. Um, you know, we talked a ton about these guys just need to kind of learn how to win. True, they need to get some momentum going. They need to get a couple wins under their belt, regardless of what they look like, just to kind of know what it feels like to win. I think the next step is is learning what it feels like to keep a team down, to, to jump out and then keep the team down. I think Nebraska needs to learn how to deliver the kill shot, um, for lack of a better phrase. Like, put your foot on their throat and then keep it there. Um, I, the best way to protect the defense is to just give as big a cushion as possible on the scoreboard. And at the end of the day, like and Shenander said this in the locker room after the game, their goal is to make those game-changing plays, not necessarily to hold someone under 100 yards of offense or whatever it may be. Um, another thing that I found interesting was Frost said this week on, on Thursday when we talked to him for the last time, he said that they've been getting different defensive looks than they prefer. And they prepare for each week, which knee-jerk reaction is to question like, well, if that's normally the case, if that is consistently happening, which Frost said that has been the case for a while, just given the, the kind of read element of their offense or the optionality of their offense, then they should be able to adjust on the fly a little bit better. Um but you know, but I also think all, all that youth on offense is playing a factor there too. Um, some of the stuff Nebraska can help itself out with, like you know, I, I I have liked in stretches, really liked the way that they've kind of called things. Um, I, I really liked the play calling against Ohio State, and I thought in the first half against Penn State, like Frost was just kind of letting it all hang out. You know, the the fly sweep to Xavier Betts, like that was great, and and it worked, so it's great. But just, like, think about the last time 
a non-freshman or a non-Wandale Robinson or non-Adrian Martinez freshman was given a play like that. Like, I think that points to good things. Um, now, <laughs> give Wandale Robinson a fly sweep every game and then build a little bit of variance off that. Be a little less predictable uh, with play calling in the red zone. You can kind of help yourself out there. Um, some of this stuff, you know, Nebraska just needs better execution on the field with to hit on that on that McCaffrey interception against Penn State. It, it kind of looked for a second like Nebraska had the wheel route set up. Um, and then, you know, he got hit. Some of this stuff, you know, they just haven't been able to get to for one reason or another. And Lubick kind of, that's kind of been um, the thing that Lubick has said that, like, I mean, yes, we're talking about they don't have they don't have a downfield passing attack. They don't have a vertical stretch threat right now to this offense. But, you know, part of it is they have dialed things up that they just haven't been able to get to. Um, and then, you know, and then some of it is is Nebraska. Um, and all of us, really, will just have to be patient with this stuff. You know, like, remember, Wendell Robinson popped in his fourth game as a freshman last year, which just happened to be against Illinois, too. Um, Adrian Martinez had his best performance to that point as a freshman in 2018 in his fourth game against Wisconsin. Like all that youth, it just takes time to get comfortable. Um, it takes time to get comfortable with what they're doing. Like I remember watching back through the Northwestern tape and seeing like Xavier Betts and Marcus Fleming and Alante Brown on the field. And, you know, that was the the one time this season that we've seen Omar Manning and he, he was the exact same way too. Like you could see guys at the ball, as the ball is snapped, they're not full go. They're kind of thinking, what do I do? Um, when they're lining up, you can see them thinking, what am I doing here? You know, sometimes it just takes, it's just going to take some time. Um, you know, it's coming. That's why those guys need needed to be on the field and will continue to need to need to be on the field. And I think Nebraska's maybe crossed the Rubicon on that and said, all right, we're just, we're just going to put them on the field there. You know, Xavier proved that, um, he can make plays happen. And, and the best way to learn is to just be on the field. Marcus Fleming proved against Northwestern that he can make stuff happen. He just needs to be on the field. Nebraska played a relatively clean game against Penn State. Um, so if you keep that up, you know, it, this could be, you know, I don't know. This could be the, the rare Frost-Nebraska game that doesn't come down to the fourth quarter. So um, we'll see. So let's get to, uh, let's get to Bob Osmussen to talk some uh, Illini-Nebraska preview. Once again, this season, I want to welcome back from the Illini HQ, the News Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a friend of the pod. Bob Osmussen out in Champaign, Illinois. Bob, how are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm good. Got any Thanksgiving plans this year? Uh, hanging out at home with my family. Yeah. Not going anywhere. That kind anywhere. Of, family leaving the house. Yeah. That kind of seems like the... Uh, the safest route to take right now. I know my grandparents are kind of by themselves, so I'm going to go bring them some food. Um, but out, outside of that, we're, we're not doing much either. So one, one of those years. And the place safe. We'll, we'll get back to it though. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, we're not going to be able to have family gatherings on uh, Christmas day this year, either the big 10 basketball um, schedule came out this week too. I don't know. I don't know if Illinois is playing on Christmas Day, but they're going to be four Christmas Day Big Ten basketball games. Nebraska's playing in one of them. That's going to be interesting. Usually Christmas Day is NBA basketball. This year we're going to have some Big Ten basketball. That'll be fun. Why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah, not? that's that's true. In this crazy year, why not? Um, well, Illinois is coming to Nebraska this weekend. Um, last year. I, I would say the game last year shocked a lot of people here. 
I don't know how many people in Illinois it's shocked. Um, it was probably, if it did, it was a pleasant surprise for people in Illinois. Nebraska had to claw its way back into that game. Uh, it was a 42-34 excuse me, 34, uh, Nebraska win last year. Illinois showed some good things. But, but this season, Illinois um, lost a, a bunch of returning production um, off of last year's team. We'll talk about the start. We'll talk about um, kind of what's going on with with them on defense, uh, which has been, you know, obviously Levy Smith's calling card um, for a long time as a head coach. But I, where I want to start with you first, what's going on with their situation? They played Wisconsin in week one. They had a bunch of COVID guys that, w- that had to miss week two. Um, Brandon Peters, I believe, is is now cleared and ready to come back. He's available for this game out of COVID protocol. What's going on with them situationally? Um, how many guys are out right now? How many guys are going to be like cleared to come back? Like, what what are what's the status of this team right now? Other than guys that are actually injured, they are back to full go in terms of COVID. So they had twelve guys that were out two games because of contact tracing. So twelve guys, important guys, some. Really important guys started to center Doug Carroll Kramer, backup quarterback Isaiah Williams. Uh, the character James and McCorder just made a game winner against against Rutgers. Um, and you mentioned Peters, who missed three games. So, two guys got COVID, they actually got it. So, they have to set that 21 days. So, they missed three games. So, that's Peters and the backup tight end. And so, that's kind of where they are. So, there, everybody's ready to go this week. And they're really, really reluctant to talk about anything going on there COVID-wise. We're not getting any kind of reports other than what happened with that because you knew the guys weren't playing. They had to say something. They were really holding everything uh, close to the vest, which is kind of Levy Smith's way. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that he played his his quarterback situation this week because, like you said, Brandon Peters is available again. Isaiah Williams obviously had – you know, a, a standout week last week at quarterback. What kind of insight can you offer for what's going on with their quarterback? Who do you expect to play? Brandon Peters will start, and he'll play the bulk of the bulk of the game. I think Isaiah Williams will be in there, in there at some point, maybe early, maybe not. It kind of depends on the flow of the game. If Illinois is playing well, and Brandon Peters is part of the reason for that, he will not come out. So the, they've learned from kind of. You can't pull a guy in and out of the lineup and have be successful. So I think Brandon will—he's definitely going to start. I have no question about that. And I, I believe Williams will play some. I think the Illinois coaches desperately wanted Nebraska coaches to think it could be one or the other. They would want them to think that they should not, and they probably know it better. They should not think that because really, there's going to be Brandon Peters is going to start. He by far gives Illinois the best. Illinois the best chance to be competitive in this game. To me, this it's not even close. So as good as Isaiah Williams was last week, you have to consider the opponent. You have to consider the fact that I assume Rikers wouldn't all that ready for him, made the award, but I kind of doubt it. But Nebraska will be ready, but they're, he's not going to be as effective against Nebraska. And frankly, defensively, he fits, he fits Nebraska's defense strength to me better than Peters does because Peters can run and throw. So, so that's what you think is is the difference between the two of them? Because, like, if you look at if you look at Isaiah Williams' line, it was you know he had a hundred was it ninety seven rushing yards, uh, but then he was seven for eighteen throwing it for only a hundred and four yards. It that 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 one dimensional element of his game you think is what 
is what gonna is gonna allow Peters to come back in and, and be the starter? No, no question. And I think I think Isaiah over time will be a great quarterback. I really do think he's got the potential. But right now he's just kind of learning his way through it. He's had one college start and it's you know it obviously went well, but the passing part did not go well. And until he has both sides of the ball, until he can throw and run, he's not going to be as effective as they wanted him to be. So I think down the road, a year or so from now, they've had some really good combo guys here over the years. Nathan Schillhaus, Juice Williams, a bunch of guys that could do both, but this guy right now can't do both. And Brandon Peters can do both. Brandon Peters is a much better runner than people expect. And I think actually that works to his advantage. Because you look at him, he's kind of tall, kind of gangly, not doesn't look like, like the speediest guy, but he worked in the offseason really hard on his athleticism, his strength. So he's a, he's a much better runner. Plus, he's a big guy. He, he weighs 230, 240. He, he, he can take a bounding. So I think you'll see him run, and it'll be effective. So what should we expect from this offense then? Seven points against Wisconsin. It was a blowout, and then obviously Peters wasn't playing, but they nearly came back on Purdue. Uh, and then th- there was the blowout against Minnesota. They got their first win uh, of the season against Rutgers last week, a 23-20 win for them. It, it's, it's been, is it is it inconsistency up and down across the offense? Is that because of the quarterback? They've played four quarterbacks this year. Like, what should we expect from the offense, and what, what's been your evaluation of what they've put on tape through the first four games? Yeah, there will not be a fifth, fifth starting quarterback. I'm sure of that. That's the only thing I know for sure. But, yeah, they've been inconsistent is the perfect word. I think uh, the receivers haven't been great. Their line hasn't been as good. Now, the sum of that is because injury and guys out because of COVID. You, when you're missing your starting center, it's a problem because it kind of created movement across the line and really messing them up. Um, running backs weren't awesome in the first couple of games. They weren't great. And everything kind of broke down against Wisconsin beyond. I think with Peters in there, first certainly the players, the guys on the offense have complete confidence in them. They saw what they did last year when they beat Wisconsin, beat Michigan State in a great comeback. So people on the team, on the offense, have great confidence in Brendan, and they will do everything they can to make him look good. So he, they'll, they'll run, it'll run better with him this week. I, I really believe that. And what they want to be is balanced, okay? They want to be able to run some and throw some and do what you don't expect them to do. So third and shorts, when you might, might think, hey, plow the ball at the line, get, get a first down, they might decide that's the good time to throw the ball. So they're going to be unbalanced. They're going to do things a little off kilter, but that works for them. And, again, when you have a, have a quarterback like Peters who can run, that's a huge dimension for them that they haven't always had it. Hero Illinois over the years, but they've got it now. And that's why he's good. he'll be a, he'll have a chance to be effective on Saturday. Okay, help me help me kind of square these two things. Illinois is third in the Big Ten right now in, in yards per carry. Uh, they're rushing offense. They're averaging five yards a carry. They have more explosive pass plays, uh, twenty yard excuse me pass plays than any other team in the Big Ten. But they are thirteenth out of fourteen teams in. Scoring offense. They're only averaging 17 points a game. It, it seems they are an explosive passing unit, a big play passing unit with a consistent run game. Why is that not translating into points? Let's add these two words, between uh, three words, between the 20s, okay? So all, all those yards you're talking about, they are gaining a lot of yards. They are having explosive plays. They're not scoring. 
Okay, they're not getting touchdowns or even field goals at times. So that's the, been the problem. Between the 20s, fine, no problem. And a, a great example last week, Mike Epstein had a long, long run, got down to like maybe the one or two, but didn't score. And they, had, they get boxed out. I don't even think they scored it on that drive. So they have had that happen time after time. So they get close, but they can't make it in. Last week against Rutgers, they had a drive over there. I think they had five or six players within like the two or three yard line could not score a touchdown. That's you can't have that happen. So that's kind of where they are. They can't get the, get the end part of it done. They get all the way there and they can't can't quite make it. I'm not sure why. They had a, you maybe saw this against Minnesota. I think they had a first and goal from the nine or so. Ended up being a fourth and forty eight. Okay, that's not good. That you can't win with that. So that's the kind of things that would happen to them. Negative plays, bad timing on penalties, really un, unforced errors. That's really been the problem for this team as much as anything. You see them moving, and all of a sudden you get holding, or they get a clipping, they get a late hit, they get something just kind of out of character, kind of dumb, kind of undisciplined. That then they have a problem. They can't score when they get close for whatever reason. That's that's kind of like Nebraska. Nebraska is a young team. You you'd expect that from a young team. Last year, <laughs> Illinois made progress, and and with that win over Wisconsin, it seemed like Illinois was going to take a step in in the right direction. It seemed like it was going to take that next step as a program through the first four games. Do you feel like they've taken a step back, or do you feel like the, the there's um, you know extenuating circumstances that kind of explain away their start? Well, they've definitely taken a step back. And I think part of it was the schedule. I think they played the original schedule, the very original, you know, we're on what's schedule number four. But if they played the very first one they're going to play, they had three easy wins in that conference set up. Okay. They're going to play UConn, Illinois State, and then Bowling Green was the third. So that's three wins. They'd be three, you know, going in the fourth game, which I think was Rutgers or Nebraska. I can't, I'm, Kind of, I've, I'm all mixed up with it now. Yeah. But they, they had a chance to really have a nice start the season when they didn't have that. Instead, they got replaced by Wisconsin up there. First game, of course, the fans weren't there, but still a hard team for Illinois. It hasn't had much success against them other than last year. You have Purdue, which is better, a lot better this year than last year. You have Minnesota, which is not playing very well, but kind of put it all together against Illinois, which they have done a lot over time. And then you have Rutgers, which is the one team going into this new season where I thought, okay, they definitely will win that game, and they barely did. So I, I say they're definitely a disappointment. And really, the problem is, starting with Nebraska, they got schedules really hard the rest of the way. There's not a, need, there's not a game you say, well, Illinois will win that game for sure. You don't, I don't see a single game on the schedule the rest of the way we say, yes, Illinois is going to win. It's not, there's not, it's not there. So they finished one is eight, one and seven. It's going to be a real problem. That's going to be a huge step backwards. What did you make of the defensive performance against Rutgers? They kind of, they, they, they came away with a win. They had, was it three second half turnovers that the defense forced? Right. What did you make of the, the performance on that side of the ball from them last time out? Well, for one thing, they were, they were healthier than they've been. So that was a big deal. The guys back, Nate Hobbs is back. Uh, important players were back, and they they played their best game of the year, of course, because they they won and they like you said they forced those turner, turnovers. That was been the kind of a hallmark of Levi Smith, right? He's always been a guy that produced turnovers, going back to his days with the Bears. That was what they did. 
that would get turnovers. But if it's all LDs or when you have NFL level players, then you are in college with Illinois players were near not nearly as good. But there, that last, last game was a sign of life on defense because they got those turnovers. They would don't win without all three of them, frankly. So they got that going. That was critical. And they, again, showed that kind of ball-hawking ability that's been so important to Levy Smith. It was really important last year. They won six games, lost the last three of the regular season and bowl game, but they would not have won six games without great work on against on her turnovers. Both forcing fumbles, getting interceptions, I think they were second or third in the country in turnovers produced. That's very important for Illinois and very important for Levy Smith because they are definitely – Bend, but don't try not to break defense, and that doesn't work nearly as well when you don't get the turnovers that they got last week. They forced six fumbles um, through through four games, and then you know, like against Nebraska a year ago, like everybody talks about this one, they forced five fumbles against Nebraska, and I think Nebraska lost four of those. Um, it is that is that by design? Is that something like what are they doing? To, to get that fumbles are random. Is this a little bit of fool's gold, or is this something that they're doing by design? No, definitely by design. They work on it all the time. They work, and they don't want to just force the fumble. If you look at them, they force a pump fumble and then scoop it up and try to go. So this, it's not just get the fumble, not just get the pick. It's get the pick and run, get the pick and score. I mean, they they talk about this all the time. I think they led the nation or close last year in uh, turnovers for the defense. In fact, the defense really won a couple games on their own, frankly. So that's what that's a big deal. That's what Lovey Smith uh, talks about all the time. He talks about he's really talked about it since he got here. So since nineteen or twenty sixteen when he got here, first thing he talked about turnovers. They they said we're going to win. We're going to produce a lot of turnovers. And frankly, he knows how important that is when you're maybe not quite as talented physically as the other team. When you can do that kind of thing, get an extra possession here or there, or two or three a game, it makes all the difference in the world. He knows that. He's seen that in the NFL. He knows it in college. So that's been a, a mantra since he got here. And frankly, he's worked most of the time until early this year. I'm going to borrow um, a, a number that <clears throat> Brandon Vogel, my editor, used in his podcast this week. If you don't listen to his podcast, it's the I-80 preview. Go listen to it. Um, Illinois is, I think, eighth. I think he said eighth worst in success rate allowed as a defense this year. So they've been. It, it's been a, a – Really tough go of things to keep opposing offenses off schedule for Illinois, and then you look at their third down numbers, and they're they're worst in the conference at third down conversion percentage for opponents. Opponents are converting fifty one percent of third downs against Illinois defensively. Let's just kind of take a um, you know zoom out and look at it at a macro level. It, is it a bunch of youth on the field? Is it like what? How would you assess the play defensively? through the first four games, is is this a team that can be taken advantage of by an explosive offense? Is this a team that, you know, like if your offense is struggling, it can be a get-right game? Or is this a team that is is just, you know, like a little bit with the offense where they weren't healthy? They didn't have everybody. Well, it's kind of a combination, but the main thing was they lost up front. They lost three or four guys who were really important on the line from last year. Like guys lost to graduation, and they had a – a player who could have come back, uh, uh, well, a particular who could have come back, in a lot, I think, at ASAC last year, chose to try to play in the NFL. So you can't blame him for trying that. But they missed up, they're missing all those guys up front, and the replacements are not as good. Now, a linebacker position is pretty good. 
Um, I think Jay Kansas is one of the better players in the Big Ten. I really do. And I think uh, when he's when he's right, and that's not not always always the case. Uh, Milo Eifler can be a really effective player. They find some younger guys in linebacker, so they're okay there. Now the kind of silly, unfortunate thing that their linebacker last year was second in the nation tackles. Daley Harding kind of came out of no nowhere. But unfortunately, he didn't redshirt as a freshman. Played a little bit on special teams. He could have been back this year. That team would, with him back, would be really, really good at defense. Without him, they've lost something. They're not quite as good. But and then secondary been really hurt by injuries. Got yeah, there's guys missing parts game after game, and then inconsistency there. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's what it is, but there's something wrong. Guys are running wide open in the secondary. That's not it's not just really talented receivers. It's tight ends. It's running backs. Everybody's been able to exploit the along the way defensively. I don't know what the problem is, but it's really not working. I was going to, you know, if Nebraska fans are kind of just like dropping into this game and, and looking at it, Jake Hansen on the defense, defensive side of the ball is somebody that they probably will know. Um, Josh Imator Bebe, wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball, is probably somebody that they will know. Um, what about, give me a couple of names that aren't necessarily like household names or aren't necessarily names that, you know, immediately jump out when you start talking about a team, but that Nebraska fans will either hear from on Saturday or should know about for Saturday's game. I gave you one that's really been underused is the tight end named Luke Ford is transfer from Georgia he tried to play last year, wanted to play last year, petitioned the NCAA in a crazy twist. Justin Fields, same school, transferred to Ohio State, was able to play right away. Look forward, transferred all the way from Georgia, same school, but not able to play right away. That made everybody here mad. They thought Luke Ford could be a difference maker tight end, and he might be, but he's got one pass this year. And I think he's a guy that if they decide to use him, he can be really effective. He's a guy that has great skill in terms of speed. He's, he's a great athlete. He's a big guy. He can block, loves block. And he is really an effective player. He might see more, maybe some on receptions, but more downfield blocking on long runs. And he'll be that guy that might make a difference in, in a score or whatever. So he's, he's a really good guy. I think he's one. And then I think defensively, if I couldn't name one guy, I think I'd probably go with Tony Adams, who is a plays corner, plays plays safety, plays nickelback, plays everything. He's been hurt a lot of his career, but had a nice season last year. He's a really effective player. He's a real thoughtful, uh, smart player. Doesn't get us out of space a lot of times. He's always where he's supposed to be. So he's a player, um, can be really effective. He's a guy who was a great receiver in high school. So if he gets the ball on an interception, He's the one very dangerous guy. He can definitely score. He can he can make a long game on interception. So he's a really effective player. Plus, he's really good about finding the ball. So he's got might force a fumble here or there. Um, really kind of a ball hawk, too. So I'd look for Tony Adams on, the, on defense for sure. I know we talked about the offense kind of um, exhaustively to open, but like now that you've brought up Luke Ford, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at their numbers. They've got a wide receiver in Brian Hightower that's averaging 20 yards a catch. Miami transfer, right? Good player. Um, Imitor Bebe, obviously. Like, is this a passing game that is just kind of like waiting for something to pop? And now that Brandon Peters is back and can be part of it, like, 
it, is, is that something that they, they talked about this week that they feel like they're maybe ready to pop or like do one of those games? Yeah. Josh and, and Brenda Peters have a great connection. They did last year. They were so effective together when they were all both on the field. So yeah, I, I think Josh is a, a player that could be, he could have a big game. Look back at the Michigan side last year. I think he had 170 yards against them. They won't, don't win that game without him. He had a big play against Wisconsin to, to seal the game. So, yeah, he's a really effective player, and him, him and Brandon are on the same page. So, yeah, I think you'll see Brandon. He's kind of a safety blanket for Brandon. He's guy, Brandon knows that if I throw the ball to Josh, he's going to catch it, but if he doesn't catch it, I'll make sure that the other guys doesn't catch it. So he's a really – and he plays a really good athlete, uh, green leap. It's one of the – I'm sure he's got the highest vertical in the team by far. He's got the highest pro prospects, definitely – and he's a guy that really kind of, kind of got lost at USC, but I don't know, I kind of found a new home and has done really well. Uh, again, very interesting guy. His brother's on team at tight end and also a pretty good player, Daniel. So I think, I'll think you'll see Josh. I wouldn't be at all surprised just to make, make Nebraska aware of this, that Josh gets ball really a lot, maybe two or three passes in the first drive, just to make sure Nebraska – knows you got to stop number nine. Make sure you get out there and try to follow him around. Because that's what it will open up things for everybody else. Okay. Let's, let's, let's kind of deconstruct two hypothetical wins. So you're sitting there Saturday night, Illinois has won. What, what are two or three things that will need to have happened for Illinois to win this game? Oh, it's pretty easy. The turnover battle will have been won by Illinois. And maybe not by a little, maybe by a lot, maybe four to one or five to two or six to three, whatever. It has to be by a couple. You know, they'll have done that and taken advantage of those. And the other thing you'll see is Brandon Peters will have played well. They don't, they don't win this game without him having a really solid quarterback rating, uh, positive yards as a runner, um, really low touchdown interception ratio, maybe no interceptions. But he has to be effective. If he is not effective, they'll go to Williams early, and that'll be a problem for Illinois, definitely. So I think turnover ratio, and and that would be one, and Brandon Peters is number two. Let's go the other way. Nebraska wins if it takes advantage of what? Well, the Illinois defensive flaws, which are a lot. Um, they're soft up front. They're not great in the secondary. The middle is the best part of that defense by far, if they're able to gash them a lot on runs and passes. Um, Luke McCaffrey, he last couple of years, Illinois has not played very well. And in fact, Libby Smith loves that Martinez is not playing because Martinez, I just looked it up, he's, he could have he won a Heisman based on his games against Illinois, right? <laughs> so he's really effective. So Levy Smith is like, okay, yeah, don't play your Martinez. That's fine with me. But it, you look at what they did, if McCaffrey has a good game, which I expect he can. That'll that'll be really important for Nebraska, and I think Illinois will struggle. They don't do well against the quarterbacks that can move the ball on the ground and through there. And it looks like McCaffrey is that guy. So I think that'll be critical for Nebraska. What was said about Nebraska's quarterback position this week by Illinois guys? Was it was it talked about much? Was Luke McCaffrey mentioned much? Oh yeah, lots. And um, Lev Smith, of course, never says anything bad about anybody. So that's kind of his old school way, but mm-hmm. he, he admires what Martinez has done the last two years. He said some ver- version of, if I'm him, 
I'm begging the coaches to play against Illinois because I've just whipped him up the last couple of years. He's right. So, but he also acknowledged that McCaffrey is a talented guy that they they respect, of course, and they think he's you know. I'm not sure they expect McCaffrey to play as much as you expect him to play. I assume he's going to be the starter. I assume he's going to go unless he, something happens to him. So I, I'm you know they always there's coach, a lot of coach speak. The coaches never tell you what they really think. So if you ask the Lloyd coaches who's going to start a quarterback, they won't tell you. They won't say a word. You have to kind of guess. But I can guess pretty well. With Nebraska, they don't they don't completely trust what they're seeing with their own eyes. But if they watch Nebraska play against Penn State, they'd have to say, "Well, McCaffrey has got to be the guy this week." So hopefully they'll they'll plan plan on that. But you never know. Yeah, Frost has kind of played it somewhat similar to the way Levy played it this week, and that he's been right. he's been pretty coy about the whole thing through really going back to, you know, the start of fall camp or whatever we call that, that preseason. And, and yeah, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the game against Penn state, um, Luke didn't do anything that would tell you that you have to make a change back to switch back. Right. He didn't do anything that would, that would, um, that would cost him another shot at it. And, you know, They'll need to, they'll need to take a step. But that's, I think that's what makes this game interesting. The line opened at at fourteen um, for Nebraska. I think it's moved up to to fifteen and a half. Maybe some people here were were somewhat surprised by that, just because the offense. Um, I looked up the numbers. They're scoring, you know, a touchdown every twenty seven plays, which is <laughs> not great um, for them. So th- this game will be interesting. It'll it'll be interesting to see what kind of team comes out for Nebraska and, 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 you know, going the other way, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team comes out for Illinois. Now that Brandon Peters is back, what do you think we see Saturday, a Nebraska win or an Illinois win? What's your prediction? I think a close Nebraska win. I don't, I, I agree with you. I think point spreads a little out there. Um, somebody said, I can't remember who said this week, Nebraska is not ready to blow on teams like, like they used to. And I remember yeah. back in the day, they beat people by 40 or 50 and those like low scoring, right? Okay. So they're not, they're not there yet. And Illinois is certainly not a team that would threaten to do that either. So I think what Illinois wants is a close, low scoring game. So I'm, I'm going to pick maybe like a 21-14 Nebraska win, something like that. Not a lot of scoring. Uh, maybe the defenses play a little bit better than we think. Maybe the offenses aren't quite as effective as we imagine they will be. But I think a close, lower-scoring game, I think the Nebraska will win. Rain might play a factor, too. It'll be cold. I heard that, yeah. Um, I heard that. So we'll see. Well, Bob, you've, you've got work that you've got to do, I'm sure. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Where can people uh, find a, and follow and read your work? Well, I can go online at HQ. It would be easier for me to say. And uh, at Bob Osmussen on Twitter. So the line HQ and at Bob Osmussen, I'm there right all the time, and and I look forward to this game and think it will be a lot of fun. Will you be in Memorial Stadium on Saturday, or will you be covering remotely? I will be covering remotely. We decided to not go on the road. We went on the road for Wisconsin. We have not gone since. Yeah. I'm not sure what we're going to do the rest of the way, but yeah, it would be. Like, I'm I'm sad I'm not going, but I also understand why we're not going. We're trying to be careful and safe, and I think that's very important. So. Yeah, Thank you. For sure. Well, stay safe, and um, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you again next season. I'll have you back on the podcast next season. We've done this, I think, each of my first three years here. So thank you. I'm always on. You ask, I'm on. How about that? Sounds great. All right, thanks. Once again, thanks to Bob for coming on. Thanks to Pat for producing over there. Thanks to all of you guys for continuing to listen to the podcast. Um, I got some some nice messages over the last couple of weeks from from a handful of folks. I really appreciate it. 
keep reading HaleVarsity.com. Subscribe to all of our you know podcast offerings. Subscribe to the magazine. Get the magazine. You really want it. Great photography. Great writing. Um, great design work from, from Quentin. Shout out to Quentin. Um, yeah. Hail Varsity. It's a place to be. Keep reading our stuff. Keep listening to the stuff. Listen to... Uh, I always leave Chris Schmidt out of this. Chris Schmidt on the radio show. Hail Varsity Radio. Listen to him too. He's great. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Talk to you then. A Huda Media Production.